You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McRae. Hey everybody, this is Mark McRae and Dan Clink. And welcome to the latest Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the history of Wonder Woman on Saturday morning. Uh, it's pretty interesting history. Uh, I like to refer to it as uh, always a bridesmaid, <laughs> always a bridesmaid <laughs> and never a bride. But, you know, Wonder Woman, it took a minute, but Wonder Woman did get her shot on Saturday morning, even though it was a slow start. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, speaking of bridesmaid, but never a bride, about halfway through her history where everyone starts coming at her, wanting her to be their bride, so to speak. <laughs> yeah look, looking at you dark side creep <laughs> yeah so so wonder woman's all over the news today the wonder woman 1984 just dropped uh we and hey let's all join that conversation our little angle of the internet will be taking it from a saturday morning's perspective as we always do and yeah right. take a look at uh take a look at wonder woman animated yeah, so in the fall of 1966, uh, Filmation Associates scored with The New Adventures of Superman featuring Superboy and Crypto. Yep. The show beat everything on Saturday morning and created the halo effect. It's right. something that I talk about a lot in my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And as a result of that, DC Comics said to Filmation, we're so happy with what you guys did with our property. You can have access to all of our characters. Right. We have we got a whole lot more if you're interested. <laughs> so there was a lot of discussions going back and forth about what could be developed for the 1967-68 season. Yeah. And some of those were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Blackhawks. Right. Plastic Man. I know that he got his day in the sun a little later. Doom Patrol. Yes. That's blowing up right now on, on uh, streaming television. They have a live action Doom Patrol, don't they? Right. It's uh, It started out on the DC Comics app, and now it's on HBO Max. Right, right. So it trips me out that their name showed up, that they've, you know, getting them into television, that goes back, uh, that goes back over 50 years. Right, right. They weren't traditional superheroes, and actually neither were the Blackhawks. Sure. And, uh, it's kind of interesting that some of those characters were mentioned for Saturday morning. Right. Plastic Man makes perfectly good sense to me for a Saturday morning character. Oh, absolutely. The, the nature of the character lends itself to children's animation. Yes. You know, he's fun. He's stretchy. You know, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Wonder Woman was also included in some of those talks. Right. So the following year... The Superman Aquaman hour premiered yeah. and um, it brought in a whole bunch of new heroes, including, you know, Aquaman and Aqualad's first appearance, the Teen Titans. Superman was back with the Justice League of America, uh, which included, you know, Green Arrow, Hawkman, the Atom and the Flash. Yeah. And the Teen Titans included Aqualad and Wonder Girl, Speedy. And Kid Flash. I can't remember. I, I can't. I'm glad I remembered all of that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, 10 points for Mark, everybody. <laughs> oh. And so the show was expanded to an hour, and it was huge. It was a huge 
hour. Right. And so going into the 68, 69 season, you know, Wonder Woman was still sort of in the running, mm-hmm. uh, either to be developed as her own Saturday morning series or be a part of a Justice League of America series, if that were to happen. Right. Roll, roll her in with the rest of them. But <laughs> it was not to be. <laughs> no, no. She did not catch the bouquet this time. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with her not being popular enough or Filmation Associates not being interested or even DC Comics telling Filmation, nope, don't make a Wonder Woman cartoon. Right. It had to do with uh, Fred Silverman. Okay. Fred Silverman discovered that the Batman and Robin animated rights were available. Yeah, easy money. Easy money. It's right. like, hey, we're doing all this hard work over here. We're developing these different characters. Let's let's see what we can... Oh, no, never mind. Here's just a bag of free money. I'm just going to go with mm-hmm. the bag of free money. Hey, everybody, take five. Let's, right, yeah. right. And so the Batman-Superman hour debuted in the fall of 1968. Right. And I, I think one of the interesting things... Uh, about that series, it was it was really good. It was very interesting and and action packed and had a lot of great uh, chase scenes. Right. But as a kid, I didn't realize. I thought that was the end of superheroes because as a kid, I didn't understand that the business was sort of shifting. Sure. You know, because of the whole violence on Saturday morning right. and the Vietnam era. Yeah, because you know? of, you know, at least a third of our back catalog, everyone, Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. We, uh, yep, just weaving another thread into the epic saga that is children's programming. Right. And so, you know, groups like Action for Children's Television, religious groups, we oh. talked about this before, uh, put a clamp on the networks and... Suburban moms shut them down. Right. So the following year, 1969, I mean, Superman was still on the air, as was the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of new productions happening. Right. Uh, but what I didn't realize as a kid was that Filmation still held on to the DC license, mm. you know? And so in 71, Superman and Batman made appearances on The Electric Company. Yes, they did. Along with Spider-Man. And- that's a, that's another right. conversation, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other conversation whole other right there. And then in 72, when the Brady kids showed up in animation form, Wonder Woman may, makes a guest <laughs> appearance. I, you know, I mean, I find it interesting, yeah, before she had her own show, she was a guest on the Brady kids. Right. It kind of makes you wonder if uh, they could have done one of those live action, like made like television movie reunion Brady episodes where uh, Linda Carter <laughs> pops in as and Wonder says, Woman. Remember, and remember that time I was on your show? I mean, the cartoon show. In, a, in an alternate 1981, that's a thing. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I mean, you know, I was talking about Bob Rosakis to you before the podcast. And one time, I completely forgot about this, he invited me to participate in, on an online chat and he wanted me to submit questions right about dc characters on saturday morning and that was one of the questions you know like where did wonder woman make her animated debut and everyone said super friends of course which dan and i are going to talk about later but the brady kids really threw everyone off 
you know, because that is like the last show. Brady Kids, Wonder Woman, it's like, you know, chalk and cheese. It's, it's, it's the last combination of characters that, you know, you could ever think about being together. I, I haven't seen Wonder Woman 1984 yet. And don't spoil it for me, <laughs> but I have like 12 to 1 odds that that's that the Brady's make, make a cameo <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was really cool. I, and I, and I guess, you know, DC Comics, I mean, Filmation rather already had designed the character for what they thought was going to be an earlier debut of the character on one of the earlier superhero shows that they were developing, uh, for CBS. But, you know, the character ended up being on the Brady Kids. And in the episode, so wait, maybe, I'm, demonst- maybe I'm missing something. I hate to interrupt, but, uh, yeah. Wait, her very first animated debut was in the on the Brady Kids. Yes, yes, yes. I, I guess I had assumed a lot of things here. Her animation debut was on was on the. Okay, all right. Let, yes. let, let that uh, let that sink in, everybody. I'm sorry, okay. Mark. Uh, you were saying. Yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> and in the episode, Diana Prince is a librarian, and Jan Brady goes to the library to get a book from librarian Diana Prince, who's secretly Wonder Woman. Right. And then she hears over her radio that there is a ship that has hit some rocks at sea. Uh-oh. And so she tells Jan Brady that she'll be with her in a moment, and she switches into Wonder Woman. Right. And she demonstrates super speed. She jumps in the ocean. She swims fast with super speed. She takes her magical lasso, which looks like a full on rope. Right. And it's glowing. And she throws the rope onto the boat. She takes the lasso and wraps it around her body and then swims back using her body as a tow to get the boat out of danger. And then the rope automatically rolls into a circle again, and she uses her super speed to get back to the library to assist Jan Brady. Right. And it is absolutely awesome. The the design used for Wonder Woman in this Brady's episode goes back all the way to the original creator's design of Wonder Woman. Right. Her last right. one was drawn with strands uh, and glowed, yeah, yeah. replicating the comic yes. book look. Right. And so a lot of times when you see Wonder Woman in her magic lasso, and I know this is mainly done for animation, sometimes her magic lasso looks more like a string than a rope. Right. But this was a rope and it was huge. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Having something this huge makes sense. For her to carry around a huge rope lasso like that didn't make sense. Sure. (laughs) Got it. Yeah, there's a bit of a scaling issue between, uh, yeah. And so there was another interesting thing about the costume, too. No stars. Oh, really? The actual bathing suit part of the costume. Sure. No stars. And Filmation Associates had done Wonder Girl earlier, part of, you know, the Teen Titans, and there were no stars on her costume either. Right. And we could address this a little bit later about Wonder Woman stars, because it seems like animation wise, (laughs) sometimes there's a lot and sometimes there isn't. Right. But I, I believe that Filmation didn't didn't put any of the stars on the costume because for animation they wanted a simpler look. And animating stars is just like, you know, you got to move those stars around with motion. No, exactly. Those stars have to flow with, with the, the movement of the body. That's, a, that's, that's one more element that has to be redrawn. Exactly. So they just decided not to go with it. Right. And I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I feel like the stars should have been there. 
you know they could have gone that Um, extra mile yes yes so once we talk about wonder woman on the super friends we can talk about how one how hannah barbera handled the the issue with stars on wonder woman's costume yeah we'll talk about that after we're done talking about uh the 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 original super friends uh the the brady show because uh superman showed up over there as well so like superman showing up on the brady kids was like oh he's back right you know he hadn't been around hadn't been any new superman cartoons (laughs) since 1968 (laughs) right right. and this is 1972 so it was great to see him and they used all the filmation used all the the model sheets from you know the last superman production so it was great and having Wonder Woman show up as well was almost like icing on the cake, you know, because she had never been animated uh, be- prior, you know. Um, <laughs> right, so, right. And, and I also talk about this in my book. So there is an animator named Daryl McNeil who worked at both Hanna-Barbera and Filmation at the same time. Right. And in an interview that he gave, um, he said that, the Brady, Ki- the Superman and Wonder Woman episodes were the highest rated episodes out of the, you know, out of season one episode, which was like about 16 episodes. Oh, the kids were hungry, you know? The yes, kids, the kids, yes. We, the kids wanted it back. It's like, we love the Archies. Why can't we mm-hmm. also have superheroes? Why is that have exactly. to be a one or the other decision? This also uh, proves kind of a point I, I, uh, a fear really that I've had since watching the Brady Bunch as a kid is that we're all just guest stars. We're, we're all, no matter how big you are, you could even be Superman and you're just a tourist in the Brady's world. <laughs> how true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> even Superman, even Superman. Um, he's just, he's just passing through. Right. Exactly. So that was sort of interesting as well. And someone at ABC obviously recognized the fact that these episodes were, you know, doing great ratings, even even when the episodes were repeating. Sure. They sure. were still doing huge ratings. Kids loved those two particular episodes. Hell, uh, uh, look at Batman and Robin showing up twice in the, the new Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, right, the, right. What a dynamic scooby-doo affair and uh the caped crusader caper those two uh episodes got huge ratings right right exactly so you know obviously to your earlier point kids wanted to see superheroes again right and the moment was not lost on hannah barbera who already had the rights to do batman and robin it sort of made sense for hannah barbera to pitch the super friend series the following season. It sure did. And probably by that time, the license that Filmation had ran out. Right. So they couldn't do a Super Friends series. And those characters, Superman and Wonder Woman, fell into the Hanna-Barbera domain. And the Super Friends series was born the following season. Right. Thumb, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Best opening music Ever. Best opening music. You know what? I would actually uh, possibly not necessarily contest, but say uh, there is another opening that is as equally banging as the Super Friends, mm-hmm. and it would be the Wonder Woman live action show with Linda Carter. Oh yeah, I love that. And they both have. I love that. They both. They're both like that thick bass. They both bring the beat. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, damn. Absolutely. So now when I think of the Super Friends theme, like, you know, how it's it, it starts out and then the other instruments join in and it all comes together in crescendos. It's almost like the team coming together, you know, the different elements. Right. And right. Exactly. That baseline, oh that baseline is Wonder Woman. That's what you're hearing. Oh, that's her. That's yeah. her coming in. Yeah, to the oh mix. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, just, dude, just right? Talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> so the Super Friends premiered in the fall of uh, 1973, oh. and um, at first I didn't know it was a Hanna Barbera production because it didn't exactly look like a Hanna Barbera production to me. Mm. Uh, but I found out later that Alex Toth did most of the designs. Right, and it's kind of funny we were talking about H.G. Peters' design that showed up on the. F- uh, Wonder Woman Filmation Brady Kids episode. Right. Uh, one of the early designs for Wonder Woman by Alex Toth was that earlier Golden Age design, that H.G. Peter design. He also, Alex Toth also had a design like that as well. But somewhere along the lines, the design got scrapped mm-hmm. and he decided to make Wonder Woman, you know, a lot more modern looking yeah it would be the baseline for at least another 20 years until you start getting right. into the uh justice league going you know the 90s and the 2000s right now, now for as as incredible as his design was she was kind of uh, her character was a bit nerfed as the kids would say going in uh, oh my gosh aquaman okay i know jason momoa is cut he's a great actor and the aquaman conversation is still ongoing <laughs> that being said, when we think of Aquaman as like, uh, okay, so he has fish magic. I don't, I don't get it. This is where a lot of that comes from. Yes, I, I feel like the Super Friends series didn't do Wonder Woman or Aquaman any favors. Right. I mean, you have these two heroes that are super strong. Yeah, and they were sort of like background players. Yeah. I mean, the first season of the Super Friends didn't really have, I think they they featured maybe one supervillain called the Raven, which was made up for the show. (laughs) And he was just, you know, sort of an environmentalist uh, uh, scientist that was Superman's enemy that was established. But for the most part, Wonder Woman and Aquaman didn't do much. Right. And it was almost like the writers didn't know what to do with them. Hey, you know, Aquaman lives his his he's in the water. You have to throw the whole team in water. I was really looking forward to the Super Friends series, um, even though I had sort of aged out of uh, the demographic for Saturday mornings. I was still (laughs) watching cartoons. And so the big Friday night preview uh, which was a sneak peek of all the Saturday morning shows the day before the the Saturday morning programming actually premiered. I watched that with great anticipation. We're going to do a whole episode on the Friday night uh, spotlight shows they used to do back oh, in the day, by yeah. the way. Those were those were a thing, everybody. Yeah, it was a thing. And uh, oh, my gosh, um, I love those yeah, uh, sneak same. peeks. So they showed a clip of Superman... Wonder Woman and Aquaman having to hmm, now it's my little kid memory here, but okay. I believe a dam had burst. Okay, and the three characters had to sort of close up these uh, open, like these fissures have opened up in the dam, and water is beginning to burst. 
Yeah, and so each character decided to take a different doorway to stop the flow. Okay. Un- underneath the water in the dam. Right. And so Superman closed his door, Aquaman closed his door, but when Wonder Woman went to close her door, she got in trouble. Uh-oh. And Superman had to rescue her. Mm. And so when they got on land, Wonder Woman says to Superman, thanks for rescuing me, friend. Huh. Or something like that. You know, to emphasize the show Super Friends. Thanks for saving me, friend. Teamwork <laughs> make, makes the dream work. <laughs> but watching it? Yeah. I was like, no, that would not have happened to Wonder Woman. Why is Wonder Woman needing to be rescued? How come she isn't rescuing Superman? Right? right. How come how come how no. come how come she isn't landing with Superman in her arms, gently laying him down as he says, "Thanks for saving me, friend." Right. So, the sneak peek sort of gave a direction as to where the show was going. Got it. And I was very disappointed yeah. that you know, I kind of see the f- the point you know, superheroes help their friends out if they get in trouble. Right. But, you know, Wonder Woman is a character of empowerment, of female empowerment. Right. And you mean to tell me in a show that she's going to be on a weekly basis, the clip that gets shown is the one where she has to be rescued by a guy. That's that that sucks. That sucks. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, making they were not making programs for children certainly uh tell me if i'm wrong but what they focus on little boys certainly they had underoos to sell certainly Mm -hmm. you know you could do some dolls and stuff but generally speaking the show is being rolled down the blue toy aisle oh for sure did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang with the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. What is the Soul Forge podcast? Join Sean and his guests as they talk about sex, geekiness, witchcraft, Star Trek, awkward dates, poetry, life, the universe, and everything else. Interviews have included writers, atheists, a rap star from Australia, a reality TV star, and a sex goddess from San Diego. If you have a story to share or just want to listen to one, check out The Soul Forge Podcast. The Soul Forge. Let's find out together. So, you know, the Super Friends is somewhat of a success. And then in 1977, Hanna-Barbera pitches and ABC buys the all-new Super Friends Hour, which features even more DC characters coming to the Hanna-Barbera fold. And Wonder Woman gets an upgrade. But we really have to wait until 1978 for the legendary Superpower show. Right. Even though they were called Super Friends in that series. Right. And then in 1984, which was the last Super Mm. Friends series, which is the Super Powers team. Blew it up. The Galactic Guardians. And, you know, all all of these show titles, of course, were tied to toys. Oh, sure. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The final upgrade that the Super Friends got uh, Saturday morning, ABC, back in 1984, coincidence, by the way, it felt like the final stage of the show, as in we've reached Act 3. This is where all yes. of the stakes have been raised 
to maximum. Darkseid shows up with his portals and his, you know, crappy, you know, son that he obviously failed as a father with and a whole army of like demon yellow monkey things. And super <laughs> friends were on the back foot regularly. Right. And uh, but, you know, Wonder Woman in those two last shows, uh, Wonder Woman really acted like a boss. Yeah. There's a dramatic scene uh, where she is riding on the wing of her invisible plane, right. you know, swinging a lasso around and just ready for action. And that's that's how Wonder Woman would ride in the comic books. And it was really good to see finally, okay, I feel like I'm actually watching an animated version of the current or very close to uh, the Justice League comic book, you right. know, these characters. And, right, right. And, you know, they brought in Firestorm and they brought in Cyborg, yep. which I thought was really cool. One of uh, Wonder Woman's shining moments, in my opinion, in these last two series, uh, Super Friends series, is when she shows up to give Bruce Wayne slash Batman a talk right. in uh, the episode called The Fear. Okay. And it's sort of, it's the first time that she shows up as uh, Diana Prince dressed in her military uniform that is very similar to the uniform that Linda Carter was wearing on the uh, live action series. Right. Through that story, we get the the origin of Batman and Fear Alley and how his parents were murdered. Oh, crazy. And uh, so it's the first time that we're seeing Batman's origin story. So that was a pretty cool episode, too. But I love the fact that when Wonder Woman comes to talk to Batman, she is in her civilian identity. And that sort of makes uh, it a little bit more human for me. Sure. You know, in terms of storytelling. Right. It's like, forget about the superheroics. I'm coming to talk to you person to person. Right. You know, and and in the Super Friends show you really didn't see a lot of uses in the storyline for the characters civilian identities no you're right they were at the hall of justice all the time fighting you know different alien threats or bad guys all the time there was that didn't really show a private life for these characters yeah if you want a private life go buy the comic book go buy an aquaman comic (laughs) book you know exactly you can see what he does when it's it's just you know he and his crew and to be fair you know like the shows or the animated series that will come later if it was a a team show like a justice league series you didn't see a lot of images of the characters just being their civilian right selves right you know um it was action 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 exactly But, but challenge of the super friends and these last two that super friend series that whose names are super long the legendary superpower <laughs> show right. and the superpowers team, the Galactic Guardians. I'm like, really? Man. You know? But again, now the funny thing was they didn't refer to each other. They were still known as the Super Friends in the in, in the series, but oh my gosh, those titles. And the thing is, I could see if I was a marketer for Saturday morning or if I was working at Hanna-Barbera at the time, I'm like, yes, we're going to use those titles because kids are going to get really excited when they see those titles. You're pumped. You know? Yeah, you're going to be real pumped and you're just like, wow. You know, even the <laughs> the title says that we're guaranteed action and adventure. Right, truth and marketing. Yeah, and uh, so uh, just one thing quick. So Wonder Woman's design in this show, she had stars. Right. 
and in the bottom half of her suit, you know, in that bottom half, but they drew the stars huge. Easier to easier to get in there and draw. And, and animate and move and around. Move, yeah, right. Even though, you know, as we stated, one woman wasn't doing that much, but I thought it was a smart animation design right. to make it easier. Right. And that design actually overflowed into the comic books. Um, mm. There's a really cool cover that features Wonder Woman crying over the fact that when did I quit the Justice League and blah, 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 blah. It's all this drama. Right. But the design that uh, Kurt Swan drew replicates that Super Friends Hanna-Barbera design. The stars are huge. Right. And if you have huge stars, that means that it makes animating someone running with huge stars on the bottom half of their uniform easier to animate. And I just thought it was such a slick and smart way to get around trying to animate a whole bunch of stars. Now, she makes a guest appearance later. 1988, Ruby Spears had a Superman series. And she makes an appearance there. And it's kind of fun. So this is is Ruby Spears now taking a run at DC. Right. And uh, this series, first of all, I feel like this Superman series is one of the most underrated series you know dan and i have talked about joe ruby and ken spears a lot on this podcast yeah. and uh this is another show that was just stellar uh, the animation is really great and the storylines are good and they use a lot of great writers on this show as well and wonder woman shows up i believe in episode eight and it's called superman and wonder woman versus the sorceress of time right um the villain's name is serene and um, it's a pretty good battle. And it's also the first time that you get to see Wonder Woman fly. Like straight up fly, like no right. invisible jet. Right. She's just being None like, I'm, well, I'm just, I'm just going to fly now. Right. No, no need to try to like worry about where you parked the thing. <laughs> How the hell did she find it? If it was, in, you know what? Never mind. Maybe that's whatever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, in the old days, the, the plane was guided by her mental ability. Right, okay. She had a tiara you know? and she, she used Jedi magic, actually. Right, right. Yeah. She would call her plane mentally. Right. Because there's a comic book, there's a really funny comic book story where she is exhausted me- uh, mentally and that to the point where she can't call the invisible plane using her mental powers. Right. And so she actually has to shout out for the invisible plane. Oh, Wow. Oh, yeah. crazy. Well, it's also cool. It has a voice voice activation backup. <laughs> yeah. In case the brain isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> you know what she should have done? I mean, she she should have had the voice activation be the primary where she could just be like, right. how a cowboy would do. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, Batman would be standing there and be like, what? And be nudged by the nose cone of what he would perceive to be the invisible plane. Yeah. <laughs> So then Wonder oh Woman, we, uh, we we go into the end of this, our Wonder Woman episode, with the, her uh, becoming a part of the Justice League. Uh, Warner did, uh, going into the mid-90s, uh, right. they captured the momentum from the earlier Batman series. That's the whole other episode. Pushed it forward with mm-hmm. a, they added a Superman series to it, created almost like a power hour, if you will, after school. 
and that just ramped up into the Justice League, and we have uh, Wonder Woman again returning. Right, and what's really cool about her debut on the uh, 2001 Justice League series that um, ran on Cartoon Network and um, was created by you know Bruce Timm right. was that these characters are meeting for the first time. Superman and Batman know each other, but a lot of the other characters don't necessarily don't know each other and there's a scene where one woman shows up to help Mm -hmm. and she flies off to help and superman or someone is going to help her and batman says no let's see what she can do right and i think that is so cool right you know and it's and one of the reasons i like that scene is because again it could have easily fallen into the Okay, well, she's a woman. Obviously, she needs help. Mm, comes so, full circle. Comes full circle. Right, yeah. right. And Batman was like, "No, let's see what let's she, see can, what she do. can do." And of course, she handled herself expertly. Right. But but when when the show was launched, I remember a lot of my coworkers asking me, "I watched the premiere. Where's Wonder Woman's invisible plane?" <laughs> yeah, it's inv- she can't find it. It's invisible. Right. And um, the other question was, when could Wonder Woman fly on her own? Whenever she damn well pleased. She just wasn't, she just, <laughs> she just wasn't, uh, she's not performing for you. She doesn't perform for anybody. Well, you know, DC Comics rebooted their entire, their entire comic book line with the uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths storyline. And Wonder Woman was one of the characters that was rebooted. And when they brought her back, someone said, probably George Perez, <laughs> right. said, you know what? <laughs> All this flying and, and drifting on the air currents is, is crap. We're going to make her fly just like Superman. Just like Superman. And that was that. More positive than a New Day pancake. More fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host, who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well you know the rest, of Thunder Talk, Sexy Thor! It's the ring of thunder found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. Hello! Have you ever wondered how much Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster sold Superman's rights to DC for? Or which uh, popular football star was Sam Wilson the Falcons' physical appearance based on? You can find all that and more at the History of Comic Books podcast, a podcast dedicated to the creators, events, history, and the companies that made the great comic book medium. Hosted and created by your friendly neighborhood, J.T. Wheatley. Please give it a listen at iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, and all our podcasting platforms. Thank you, and go ahead and enjoy yourself a good comic book. Look, we gotta talk. Yeah, Thunder Talk. We're going all kinds of sideways with that sweet nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. It's topical. Political. Dare I say radical. We've got all your latest news and reviews. Hot music. And a whole lot of comedy. But it ain't for kids. Definitely mature content. So let's talk. Let's talk Thunder Talk. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Oh, friends. Oh, oh, super friends, if you would, of, of our show. We're not done talking about Wonder Woman just yet. Uh, if you go over to Thunder Talk, there'll be the episode dropping second week of January. So you'll, you'll have to wait for your late Christmas present. 
We sit down with history of comic books producer Jonathan Wheatley over at Thunder Talk. We have a bit of a Best Saturdays podcast, uh, History of Comics mashup. And if you look in the show notes, you'll be able to go directly to the segment. The Thunder Talk gets a little blue. Certainly don't want to uh, offend anyone's uh, sensibilities. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a, a, a sneak preview of that. You know, the time that Filmation Associates was talking to uh, DC Comics about what's being animated and what isn't. Right. And uh, unfortunately, by the time that ad got printed, only 95% of it or 90% of it was actually accurate. Right, right. Wheatley, History of Comic Books. History of Comic Book Ads, maybe? Oh, yeah, this uh, this is something that well Hollywood and comic books has not learned from. They've done this because that honestly, we were talking about all that stuff. I just got reminded. Remember back in 2014 when DC Films announced their film slate? Yes. And I'm looking at the films that never got made. Right. There was supposed to be a part two of Justice League, which we might be getting on HBO Max. So not sure about right. that. By this time, we're supposed to have had a Flash and and a Cyborg and a Green Lantern movie too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, I forgot about that. In a parallel that. universe where Marvel can't get its its act together, there are about 15 yeah. Super Smash hit DC movies <laughs> all sitting there on your Blu-ray shelf. <laughs> yeah, so in that conversation, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman again. Oh, yeah. And how DC Comics printed a house ad saying that Wonder Woman was coming in 1966, in the fall of 1966, in an animated series. And um, that didn't exactly happen. That didn't exactly <laughs> happen, yeah, right. <laughs> so so we'll be- we're going to be talking about, you know, the timeline between studios and comic book companies talking back in the day and how sometimes a lag time and communication resulted in a little misinformation in a and with some of the trade ads. And and what better place to talk about misinformation than Thunder Talk? <laughs> right. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.